For the born again, only one fear is permitted, and it is a clean fear. It is the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. Psalms 111, verse 10. Jesus said in Luke 12, 4 and 5, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which, after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. The world's carnal fear devastates the human psychic as well as the physical body. Tune out their dialogue, their constant fear-mongering, or you will be continually vexed. For most, tuning out means turning off the phone and setting your mind on Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Shed your fear. It is ungodly. Immerse yourself in Christ. Consider these beautiful verses, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Second Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear declares an absence of faith, an absence of clean hands and pure hearts. It is also known as the evident token of perdition, Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. It is the sign of the Antichrist himself. How about Hebrews three twelve? Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. When I see fear arising, I stop and repair. This is very serious business, saints. Revelation 21.8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Saints, this is very serious business. Fear is not an option. Repair it now. If you are yet to be born again, you have no option. Fear goes with your package. That will change today if you follow me in a simple prompt. At born again, the uh, Satan's uh, chains are shattered, and as one walks in faith and obedience, the chains become shattered beyond repair. Today all your sin and your shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today you will be a new creature. Today your glorious eternal journey begins. Today... You will be born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. Today, the bondage of fear will be broken. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click right now on to Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. God said, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God said, Exodus 34, verse 7, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, 
and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Man said, The Bible was not authored by God, assuming there even is a God. The Bible was written by a bunch of old men whose sayings have no relevance in our enlightened society. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1090 that will once again certify the supernatural origin of the beautiful book. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the blood-bought and as soul-winning bait for the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming today. Life, love, and peace be multiplied unto you. The illuminating power of God's Word to save and transform is so all-encompassing, yet so neglected and maligned by the so-called wisest among us. If the Holy Bible penned thousands of years ago was written by mere men, how is it so glaringly accurate in all of its accounts, especially regarding miracles, historically, geologically, geographically, archaeologically, and in all scientific disciplines? When the world's champions of unbelief are confronted with the enormity of the gospel truth and have no way to escape the obvious, they resort to one of their standard default positions. Well, even if there is a God, He doesn't interact in the affairs of men. How conspicuously wrong they are. The Bible says that God spoke all into existence out of that which is invisible with His words. In the very first chapter of the Bible, the phrase, And God said as in, and God said, let there be light, is made ten times. His words of intent, laden with knowledge and wisdom, created it all. The academics laughed at what they saw as uneducated, foolish, and easily led Christians believing such nonsense. Those who have failed to update their unbelief continue to laugh. Unfortunately for the mockers, science's latest discoveries are once again confirming God's word in the most literal way. Regular visitors to God said man said are exposed to purposeful redundancies. Isaiah 28.10 defines the process like this. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. A foundational premise in the marketing industry is captured in the phrase, repetition is reputation. This type of redundancy is critical to learning and absorbing knowledge. Everything that exists is made out of words, quite literally, and it all begins in the invisible, for instance, even at the molecular level. One example used often here is of the automobile. The example goes like this. Years ago, I was attending my oldest son's Little League baseball game. While there, a conversation arose between another man in the stands and me. In that conversation, when the subject of God was broached, the other father curtly informed me that anything I had to say on the matter was just words, as though words had no value. I asked him how he had gotten to the game, and he replied that he had driven there in his car. I then asked, What if I could prove to you that a car is simply words? Try it, he challenged, and so I did. Many, many years ago, a man was driving down the road in his horse-drawn buckboard, making a journey that would take the entire day. For perspective, this trip would take less than an hour today. 
As the man is plodding along, he thinks, Boy, I'd love to have a horseless carriage. Thoughts are silent words. At this point, I stopped and asked the father at the game what he had so far, and he answered, Words. Now our man in the buckboard was excited about his word idea, and when he got home, found a tablet and pencil to draw his word pictures and descriptive instructions, words, on the making of an automobile. All of this was contained on his tablet in words. I stopped my story and asked the father again what we had so far, and again he answered, words. Our excited inventor ran out into the field with a shovel in hand and dug up iron ore and various minerals, which were spoken into existence by God's words of intent. The man smelted down the ore and the minerals and created steel that he then used to build a horseless carriage. When completed, he honked the horn and drove away in his new car. At the conclusion of my example, it was clear that the automobile was just words, even at the molecular level. Everything is made of God's Word, and it is seen everywhere. Now the relatively new science of epigenetics is also agreeing yes. Epigenetics will confirm Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, penned 3,500 years ago, to be absolutely accurate. It will also confirm Proverbs 18.21 and a host of other biblical pronouncements. Epigenetics will confirm that the intent of your words will create real results at the body's molecular level, as well as dictate predispositions and do it generationally. Exodus 34.6 and 7. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Proverbs 18:21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This feature on epigenetics will confirm the inerrant supernatural authorship of the Holy Bible. Words are not physical. They are spiritual. God is a spirit, and all physical things are made of his invisible words. Physical manifestations must follow. Spirit always precedes physical. Some ask, are you talking spiritual, Brother Dave? The answer is, of course, there is no other way. The rest is a futile exercise in vanity. Epigenetics will show how the intent of words dictate outcomes in the physical realm unto the third and fourth generation. Of course, the scriptures will show these outcomes go on eternally. Listen to what they say. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Light Series, Part 2, Words in Light. How do thoughts, silent words, and spoken words turn into light in the body, and produce physical results such as health or disease. The following excerpts are from Dr. Don Colbert's book, Deadly Emotions. We can sum up in one word the basic communication link between what we think in the brain and what we experience in the cells of the body, neuropeptides. Dr. Candace Pert, a noted stress researcher, demonstrated that a certain class of our immune cells, the monocytes, have tiny, mo tiny molecules on their surface called neuroreceptors that are a perfect fit for neuropeptides. 
All of the monocytes have these receptor sites. The brain produces the neuropeptides, which are chains of amino acids, and conducts them along the nerve cells throughout the body. They are like the key that fit into the molecular locks of every cell of the body. Dr. Pert has called them bits of brain floating through the body. The brain talks to the immune cells all over the body, and in turn the immune cells communicate back to the brain using these messengers called neuropeptides. If your brain interprets physical perceptions as anger, fear, or depression, every immune cell of your body knows that interpretation very quickly, end quote. If everything is made out of God's words, as the Bible clearly declares, then there should be evidence everywhere. Truly, the proof is ubiquitous. Watch and listen as spiritual words make physical substance and results. From the God said, man said feature, ship come alive. In the book Switch on Your Brain, Dr. Caroline Leaf demonstrates the power of death and life that's in the tongue. Dr. Leaf's biography reads in part, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a communication pathologist and audiologist who has worked in the area of cognitive neuroscience since 1985. Her pioneering work on neuroplasticity, the changes in thinking actually change the brain and can affect behavioral change, paved the way for her current research on how scientific principles are supported by Scripture and vice versa. Passages from Switch on Your Brain follow. You are a thinking being. You think all day long, and at night, as you sleep, you sort out your thinking. As you think, you choose. And as you choose, you cause genetic expression to happen in your brain. This means you make proteins, and these proteins form your thoughts. Thoughts are real, physical things that occupy mental real estate. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Whatever you believe in and hope for becomes substance on a physical level, and you act upon this. This process can move in either direction, negative or positive. It is very interesting that every cell in the body connected, is connected to the heart, and the brain controls the heart, and the mind controls the brain. So whatever we are thinking about affects every cell in our body. When you make a conscious decision to focus and direct your attention correctly, you change physical matter. Your brain and your body change in a healthy way, end of quote. We were spoken into existence by God's words, and by design, we completely interface with them for either good or evil. As we apply God's words to our life, the results are marvelous indeed. There is a spiritual biological reason those who attend church services two or more times per week live 11% longer. Dr. Leaf said, you live into your thoughts, and so it is. It's time to start a Holy Ghost dialogue. Words create physical changes. End of quote. The science of epigenetics also addresses how words and particular deeds affect our lives, but usually this refers to words and deeds not initiated by us. The words and deeds committed by our ancestors, which directly affect us today, affect us today, excuse me, for evil or for good, up to the third or fourth generation. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Epigenetics and More Sins of the Father. 
The devastating effects of parental disobedience are far-reaching and just beginning to be seriously studied via the new science of epigenetics. This new science is turning old science on its head. Epigenetics is rewriting the rules of disease, heredity, and identity. The sins of the mother during pregnancy, birth, and onward into the child's development are somewhat well-known, such as passing on to her children venereal diseases, as well as the effects of alcohol, drugs, smoking, the lack of breastfeeding, and more. But the father seems to have escaped the scrutiny of the investigators. The headline in the March 29, 2008 issue of Science News reads, Dad's Hidden Influence. The subhead reads, A father's legacy to a child's health may start before conception and last generations. The following excerpts are from that feature article. How a man lives, where he works, or how old he is when his children are conceived doesn't affect their long-term health, scientists used to think. But growing evidence suggests that a father's age and his exposure to chemicals can leave a medical legacy uh, that lasts generations. The author goes on to explain why dads haven't been held accountable. Since men make new sperm every 74 days, people used to, used to reason the genetic slate is wiped clean every couple of months. And even if a man makes defective sperm, the all-or-nothing view of reproduction holds that damaged sperm don't fertilize eggs. No harm, no foul. So no one bothers to remind men to protect themselves against environmental toxins. There are no images of crack dads and crack babies in the media like those of women who harm developing fetuses with drug and alcohol use, Daniel said in February at a meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science held in Boston. When someone does study fathers-to-be, the focus is usually on fertility, not on the consequences for children's health, she says. The article continues. Some animal studies showing paternal effects emerged years ago but were roundly dismissed, says Gladys Frieder, professor emeritus at Boston University. Four decades ago, Frieder was studying tolerance to narcotics, one of the first steps of addiction, to find out if a mother rat could pass tolerance on to her offspring, along with antibodies and other immune factors, as some scientists theorized. Frieder exposed female rats to morphine before pregnancy. Babies of exposed mothers were born much smaller than average. And those babies also went on to give birth to tiny babies, even though the offspring had never encountered the drug. Frieder also gave male rats morphine before they bred, and to my total disbelief and bewilderment, a paternal exposure also affected progeny, Frieder said to the AAAS meeting. Her advisor dismissed the result. Morphine doesn't cause mutations, so the idea that males could hand down a trait without passing along a mutation seemed preposterous. But in recent decades, scientists have discovered that chemical and modifications to DNA and proteins can change the way genes are packaged and regulated without changing the genes themselves. Such modifications are known as epigenetic changes. Epigenetic modifications act as a molecular scrapbook, preserving memories of events in parents' lives and handing them down to the next generation and beyond. There's a chromosomal memory, says Anne Ferguson-Smith, a developmental geneticist at Cambridge University in England. The chromosomes remember where they came from, the mother or the father. Male mice exposed to cocaine, for example, pass memory problems onto their pups. A 2006 study in neurotoxicology and uh, teratology shows. 
The male mice inhaled cocaine in long daily sessions akin to crack binges. When they mated with females never given coke, they had pups that had trouble learning and remembering where to find food in simple mazes. The problem was especially severe for female offspring. The researchers couldn't find any obvious DNA damage in coke-smoking male sperm, but did find altered levels of two enzymes involved in the methylation of DNA in sperm-producing tissue in the father mice. The results suggest that epigenetic changes may be responsible for the offspring's behavior problems. He can prove that male rats exposed to a fungicide in the womb can pass tumors and diseases of the prostate and kidney down for at least three generations. The rats could provide the first model for how prostate disease is inherited, he says. But only male rats could pass along the defects. The exposed rats bequeath their fungicide legacy to their sons, grandsons, and great-grandsons, even though none of the later generations were exposed to the chemical, end of quote. The April 6, 2013 issue of Science News published a multi-page feature titled From Great-Grandmother to You, with the subhead which reads, Epigenetic Changes Reach Down Through the Generations. A few excerpts follow. The very name epigenetic literally means over and above or beyond genetics. When these changes are inherited, scientists have found the implications can be staggering. Part of your risk of disease may be determined by what your great-grandmother ate, not just the genes they passed on. Investigating how those marks travel to future generations is a new twist in the field of epigenetics. Originally, epigenetics researchers focused on the developmental processes that follow individual cells to specialize despite the fact that all the cells have the same DNA. It turned out that chemical tags that get stuck to DNA or to the proteins around, around which DNA is wound, can influence gene activity without altering the genes themselves, end of quote. In a September 29, 2020 feature on her website, Dr. Caroline Leaf interviews Dr. Rudolf Tanzi, Harvard professor and founder of the field of neurogenetics, who was listed as one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. The following paragraphs are from that feature titled, How to Use Your Thoughts to Influence Your Gene Expression for Now and Future Generations, plus the five most widespread myths about the brain that may be limiting your potential with Dr. Rudolph Tanzi. As Dr. Tanzi points out, you are not your brain, you are the user of your brain. Every choice you make determines the experiences you have and every experience you have will condition your genetic expression. Your habits and lifestyle come from programs of genes which you can control. Yes, there are gene mutations that take many, many years, but your experiences also change the way you express your genes. This is called epigenetics. Basically, this means that although you are born with certain genes... You get to sculpt many of these genes and how they express themselves through your lifestyles, habits, and choices. You have a lot of control over your biology indeed. 97% of your genetic history is not written in stone. It is amenable to your sculpting. What does this look like on a day-to-day -day basis? If you are constantly creating an environment of physical stress in the brain and body, your genes will adapt. 
Very soon, your genetic environment will be hurting you every day instead of healing you because your genes are responding to how you live your life. Although your DNA stays the same, your gene expression program will start changing when you start making different choices. You are essentially genetically reprogramming yourself when you choose to stand outside yourself, observe your thinking and choices, and change the way you live your life. Why this is so important? As Dr. Tanzi notes from his research, we pass on any epigenetic modifications we make to our offspring. For instance, we can inherit the phobias of our parents based on their own life experiences and choices. The way we choose to live our lives now can impact future generations. End of quote. The power of death and life is in the tongue. Everything is made out of words. Words are spiritual, and they affect all life at the molecular level. Again, Dr. Caroline Leaf writes on March 4, 2021 in the feature, how to use the uh, neurocycle to break cycles, hear gener heal generational trauma, and end toxic family patterns, plus how the neurocycle influences epigenetics and changes genes, she writes. The science of epigenetics shows that our thoughts can control our biology, and we can control our thoughts, positively directing genetic expression in our body and passing these genetic markers through generations. Essentially, this means that what you are thinking at any one moment is vitally important because your thoughts affect the signals your genes receive. By managing your mind, you are in effect managing these signals and how they impact your genetic expression in biology. So how does this all work? Epigenetics shows us that our thoughts are a predominant factor controlling genetic expression. Our mind controls what we think, eat, exercise, respond to, and so on. It controls how we live our lives. Epigenetics shows us that how we think, feel, and choose, our mind and action, will influence the behavior of our genes and our subsequent mental and physical well-being. These epigenetic changes represent a biological response to an environmental signal. The response can be inherited through the generations via epigenetic markers. However, if you remove the signal, the epigenetic marker can fade. If you choose to add a signal, on the other hand, the epigenetic mark can be activated. In sum, we are not merely our genes and biology. Our past doesn't have to be our destiny. How we think and choose to live our lives impacts a big part of the picture. What you are thinking at any one moment is vitally important because this is the signal your genes receive. This means that when you learn how to manage your thoughts through managing your mind, you can change your thoughts. And by changing your thoughts, you can change your genetic expression. You rewire your brain through neuroplasticity, which then impacts your biology. Research studies, including mine, show that managing your mind can even influence how you age and your vulnerability to disease. While there is strong scientific evidence that controlling one's inner thought life and detoxing the mind is preventative against cognitive decline and Alzheimer's, end of quote. The final excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Epigenetics and More Sins of the Father. Michael Skinner was among the first to document that certain chemicals could produce health effects across multiple generations without altering DNA. Exposing a pregnant rat to chemicals that disrupt the action of sex hormones 
could produce fertility problems that lasted at least to her great-great-grandchildren's generation, his group reported in Science in 2005. Those problems were transmitted through the male line, apparently by the way of chemical tags called methyl groups on DNA. Many researchers study DNA methylation because it is more easily examined than other epigenetic tags, of which there are many. All of the chemicals studied led to an increase in ovary problems, including fewer eggs and more cysts, that lasted at least until the great-granddaughter generation. Skinner's team reported in May 2012 in PLOS 1. The increase in ovarian disease was accompanied by persistent changes in DNA methylation patterns in ovarian tissue. Some of the treatments led to 100% of the great-granddaughters developing ovarian cysts. There is no genetic mechanism that will give you that level of disease. None, says Skinner. Some of our phenomena are so robust, we couldn't explain it with genetics even if we wanted to, end of quote. The sins of one's parents being passed down to the third and fourth generation, it is somewhat disturbing. The idea of being handcuffed to another's deeds is not new to the students of the Scriptures. It began when Adam and Eve sold their progeny, you and me, to sin. Each of us inherited that carnal, sinful nature, but God, God sent Jesus Christ to break the chains of our bondage. Jesus calls it born again. Through this life-transforming process, we are literally born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God, and become sons and daughters of the living God. All the chains of carnal inheritance, even epigenetic ones, are broken, and a full purging and renewal process begins. At Born Again, amazing and glorious things happen that directly affect us at the molecular level and beyond. Consider some of these classic changes. I am now redeemed. My soul is washed clean of all its sin and shame by Christ's cleansing blood. I am brand new. I have a new father and new epigenetic markers. Things are not the same. I am given a new name. I am part of a new Holy Ghost family. I receive a heart transplant. My old contaminated heart of stone is replaced with a brand new heart of flesh. My mind is renewed and is constantly renewed by the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit of God is now on board and dwells in the belly. It leads and guides in all truth. Angels are dispatched to encamp about me, and my steps are ordered by the Lord. My purpose is to grow in Christ and to help build up the kingdom of God, and that purpose will last forever. At born again, the process of purification begins and continues to purify until we see Jesus when we will be as he is. An ongoing transformation and washing process continues for every cell in the entire body, and I mean literally. Consider the following verses. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transform means to change form. It begins in the spirit and directly affects us at the cellular level, in part producing things like physical changes in the brain that neuroscience knows as neuroplasticity and surely affecting one's epigenetic inventory. Ephesians 5:25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The word of God washes over our entire genetic being. Your epigenetic condition goes through an instantaneous change, and new markers are being created. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are dealing directly with the molecular man. Ephesians 2.1 and 2 And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. James 1, 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except that man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. God has the answer for the dark side of epigenetics. His name is Jesus Christ, who offers born again, where everything changes. Imagine, it is entirely a word issue. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Ain't it so hallelujah so? Thousands of years before science begins to discover the reason why God's children of faith are always already there. God's word is true and righteous altogether. A place to build a life that will last forever. Born again. That's a big, big deal. God said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. God said, Romans 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God said, Exodus 34, 7, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Man said, the Bible is not authored by God, assuming there even is a God. The Bible was written by a bunch of old men whose sayings have no relevance in our enlightened society. Now you have the record.